Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the Higher Ed Geek Podcast. This is episode number 12 with Ama Marfo. Uh, what I actually realized is uh, my second three-peat guest, uh, Kristen Abel being the other. Um, always really enjoy talking to Ama. I uh, just kind of love what she's doing with her uh, speaking and writing and uh, just kind of critically looking at humor and creativity, um, just kind of her position as a really insightful, fun, and awesome uh, kind of higher ed free agent uh, that collaborates with universities and uh, other organizations all across the country. So uh, really does cool work. Uh, check out our past podcast episodes um, and some of her writing and ways to connect with her all in the show notes for this episode. Uh, and I know you'll enjoy this conversation as much as I did. So without further ado, and after this quick message from our sponsor, this is episode number 12 with Ama Marfo. It's an honor to have our good friends at Swiftkick be a sponsor of the podcast because I've seen their work firsthand and it's truly unlike any student leadership training I've experienced. They've been voted best student leadership program unprecedented five times, so you know they must be doing something right. As a bonus for our listeners, Swiftkick is giving a $500 discount off their normal speaking fee if you mention High Red Geek when you contact them. I highly recommend their trainings for your campus as your students will be talking about it for months afterwards. It's really great stuff. Check them out, swiftkickhq.com to learn more and let them know I sent you. Now, back to the show. So yeah, I just have to say, I, have to, I appreciate... Uh you're now like christening my new podcast i've had you on multiple times before and i think specifically for this one what i really appreciated is i saw a post of yours recently about like like your best reads and laughs of the last year and how you said um like the things like we like our leisure pursuits kind of inform our lives and our work and that sort of thing and it's like yes that's kind of like exactly like the focus that i'm trying to go for uh with this show here and um sort of a tip of the hat to that tip of the hat of uh the stand-up special that you mentioned uh michelle wolf uh nice lady on oh, hbo so great uh, yeah right? like i saw you like you know you uh i think you interviewed her and just like you were sort of like just sharing out that you enjoyed it so i was just like oh i'm gonna like bookmark that because i got a little like promo offer for like hbo now because it's one of those things where i like go through a phase of just like consuming a bunch of content that HBO has. And I'm like, all right, I've watched everything I want to watch for now. And I'll just sort of like put it in hibernation until later and be like, okay, now I'm going to like consume a bunch of stuff again. And I was like, that was, you know, that was one of the things that I really wanted to check out and it was very good. So I appreciate, yeah, appreciate the recommendation. Um, but uh, so yeah, I guess, you know, I'll link out to the previous two uh, episodes that we did together on the former podcast, but um yeah, I just really appreciate you uh, hanging out for this episode. Um, and if you want to kind of give uh, the Cliff Notes version of kind of your story, just for the sake of kind of uh, posterity and kind of doing due diligence, because I, I think we'll kind of focus, I guess, a little bit more, maybe because I think what we haven't explored a bit is like sort of that exploratory phase in college of just maybe how that really was like crystallizing some of who you are now. Um just kind of that focus more on like you as a student and what that was like versus necessarily like your career. That's something that we've explored a little bit before. Sure. But, so yeah, just Cliff Notes version of your story. And then we'll, we'll kind of focus in after that of kind of specifically, you know, like undergraduate AMA and sort of that, that journey and kind of what it gave you, uh, you know, at that time. But yeah, just start out with your story and we'll go from there. Let's see. Undergraduate AMA was really involved 
Um, she did a lot with her programming board and with Student Alumni Association. So a lot of spirit events, homecoming, things like that. Um, worked in athletics, worked in residence life, uh, coached gymnastics very briefly in there, which I had been doing in high school and carried over into college for a little bit. So there was always a lot going on. Um, plus doing well in academics, being in the honors program, having a major and two minors. So there was a lot going on there. So all of that put together uh, was a lot of things happening for and to a very tightly wound person. And I think that's really important to how I started to look at things and some of my perspectives started to shift. Um, so in the process of doing all of this, in large part because of I, because of being on a programming board, I found stand-up comedy, I found comedy in general, and that became something that I really enjoyed. It was a good opportunity to just take half an hour, take an hour, and laugh at something. Laugh when things otherwise might have been really difficult or when things might otherwise have been really busy. Um, so that was kind of something that I found during that time and followed me in some form or fashion through work for a few years after undergrad into grad school. And then especially once I started my professional career, which I started to realize that some of that tightly woundness was actually probably just anxiety and recognizing that of all the things that could be helpful for that, there were a lot of standard things that they would recommend. So like diet changes, medication, um, sleep exercise, all of those things, but also kind of diving into things that helped you forget or keep you from being anxious. So it's ended up being a really good distraction as well. Um, so who was really good at that? What comics did I enjoy um, a great deal? Who challenged that a little bit and was harder to laugh at and why? Um, so it got, as is often the way with me, with geeky type things, you start to dig into why those things work. Um, so that ended up being something that I didn't expect to geek out about as much as I do now, but it is a huge part of who I am and how I approach the work that I do. Yeah. Well, I guess with all of that of just like, you know, your journey, because I think, yeah, it's just, you know, it's a very formative time undergraduate. And like you said, like that very much informed, you know, who you became. So I guess in the way that you work too, because like you said, just some of that was like, okay, I need to like, you know, grow up and take care of myself sort of thing. But I know you're big on sort of like temperament and introvertedness and, you know, you made a very deliberate, deliberate change working from, you know, typical campus-based higher ed role to more, you know, writing and speaking and consulting and all this different kind of stuff. Do you feel like that was part of it? It looks like you realized different work style and environments that were kind of better for you as well. I do. I think that being able to figure out how I worked best of what I needed and not necessarily who could give that to me, but under what circumstances I would be able to work in a way that worked best for me. Um, that was a huge turning point, kind of recognizing that the kinds of work that I was doing on weekends or on my days off or when I got home, um, how I felt when I was doing that versus how I felt when I was in the office or how I felt after a really long week that stood to only get longer. Um, the types of tasks I was working on and what I really enjoyed, what I felt like I was good at. Um, and when I felt I was most effective and all of that really played into the eventual decision, um, almost three years ago now at this point, um, this is, the, this would be the third year of working for myself. So getting to have the opportunity to travel the country, speak to students and professionals around the country, but also being able to indulge some of my desire to freelance write. And some of that writing is about higher education, but some of it isn't. And being able to dive in and out of those tasks essentially whenever I pick um, and having times in my schedule where I'm traveling a lot, but having downtime where I get to write and letting things be that flexible and that loose 
um, that's been a really huge part of my development as well. Yeah. Well, because I think that for, I think for certain people, that is definitely what they need is like, you kind of have this like, you know, Voltron, like, you know, kind of collection of different things that all connect together to create like sort of this, you know, this work life and works kind of lifestyle and everything that really works for you. And because I think if anybody has like a singular job, there's going to be components of that that you don't like. But, you know, if you're just trying, trying really hard to find a good fit and just can't find it with the typical, you know, uh, role in a company or something, you know, really kind of trying to put together these kind of disparate things while it could be very difficult and maybe like slow to start. If you're kind of diligent with it, I think you can, cause like you're saying, it's like, you can kind of ebb and flow where it's like, Oh, I'm really speaking a lot and traveling, really enjoying that. That's kind of tiring. Now I'm going to have like a little bit of a down period. I'm staying put and then I'm writing a little bit more because maybe I got inspired by something when I was out on the road. Like you can kind of like go with the flow of your own kind of work energy and life energy and that sort of thing. So it's sort of approaching closer to having your whole kind of work entity be just you doing things that you enjoy. And I'm I'm sure there's still aspects just like with anything where it's like, okay, I don't enjoy this as much, but it is a necessary and important part of, you know, just being an adult working human or whatever, you know, but um, yeah. So it's just really cool to see yeah, that you're really like kind of realizing the things that you're passionate about, what you're good at and combining those things and kind of making it all work. So again, that's, that's another component of sort of what I'm striving to highlight is for one, just how our uh, sort of our hobbies and our interests inform our lives and kind of add value and benefit, but also just like how people are, not just following their passions, but following their passions and combining it with like what they're good at. Um, and I think that's part of a formula that I think can work for a lot of people is not just one or the other, but kind of both of those put together. Um, yeah, the Voltron reference is apt because it is a yeah. lot of like putting things together. Um, and I think that I talked to a good number of people who will mention that they're interested in more than one thing and they would say, how do you pick? And I would say that I didn't pick. I think I picked for a while, but that stuff comes back Um, in the same way that um, I would talk to people towards the tail end of undergrad that were like, well, I might want to go into higher ed, but I don't know if I do yet. And do I have to do it right now? And I said, no, you can wait. And if you still want to do it, like that instinct to do it isn't going to go away. And for me, it was the same kind of thing. Like I really, really liked when I was younger, writing about pop culture and consuming it in a way that I could then think about it and critique it and write about it. And then I stopped doing that for a while and it came back. I kept wanting to do it. I kept trying to find ways to make it fit into how I was working and then eventually figured out a couple different ways um, that that was possible and feasible. And even in terms of the speaking that I do, I hadn't thought about it this way, but I remember doing speech competitions in middle school and actually really enjoying it and then stopped doing it for a really long time. And then after a while between getting to do training for students and doing proposals at conferences, that stuff came back too. Mm. So if there's stuff that you're interested in and you've kind of put it away for a while, it's going to come back regardless. Either you can pull it out or it's going to tell you it's ready. So being able to figure out how do you fit multiple elements of that into a life that you've built for yourself. I think it's a really valuable question to ask and a really cool thing to kind of set forth for yourself to figure out how to put different elements of yourself together. Yeah. Yeah. That's very cool. So yeah, I think you yeah, kind of explored, you know, you enjoy about your work currently. Um, and yeah, I guess if you want a little bit more of like a full 
background on kind of Ama's professional journey just for the sake of time. Uh, we won't go into it at this episode, but we'll link out to the other podcast that we did uh, in the past. So I thought, because when I had uh, Kristen Abel on, I felt weird too, where it's like, because it's, it's like me and her talking, but it's like, like, I already know your journey. Like, you don't have to tell it to me again. So it's like, let's just go <laughs> yeah. through it. Listen to that other episode. It's really good. It has all of it in it. Um, but uh, so, yeah, I mean, kind of where you're at currently, yeah, you're uh, kind of, like you're saying, get a, a bit more into sort of the pop culture consumption and sort of uh, you know, looking at it through like a critical lens and all that sort of stuff. And I know specifically big on kind of comedy, but um, so I guess if you want to just speak generally, you've kind of alluded to this a bit with stuff that you've always been into and you're getting back into, which is, it's funny. The thing I thought of when you said that too, is like, for me, video gaming was that thing. Mm -hmm. Like I played games for my entire life and then I, I, I deliberately kind of pushed it away. Cause like, Oh, I don't have time for this. Like, you know, and I don't, you know, I'm kind of over it or whatever, but lo and behold, it just kind of came back and I was just like, Oh, I have this itch. I really want to get a system and just like start playing again. But, um, yeah, so it just made me think it is funny how that happens. But Well, and there are things yeah. that were sometimes made to feel like aren't grown-up things. Mm. So, like, video games, I think, is a really good example of that, where if it's something you're interested in that you really enjoy and get a lot out of and you're better in your full life because of it, why not do it just because it's something that not everybody feels like you should be doing? Mm. Um, or, like, geeking out about a TV show or about a comedian, um, getting excited at going to see something live, like... That's something that we should all be able to have, regardless of how old we are or what position we're in professionally. That's just a cool human experience. So being able to kind of let yourself have that, regardless of how you feel like it might be judged, I think that's a huge deal. Well, yeah, and a lot of those things are popping up now because, like, how podcasts have really blown up. It's like they'll do live podcasts, and it's like, yeah, if you really love that podcast, go to that show because all those people obviously like really enjoy it as well, and like you know, you just get to kind of consume that engage with the uh, sort of that fandom in a, in a different way um mm -hmm. but yeah so i mean you've mentioned um you know especially i guess a comedy if you want to explore that a little bit more but i guess just anything else that you're kind of just like kind of the genres and we can get to specific things that you might want to recommend uh later but kind of just thematically genres like what are you kind of geeking out about currently even if it's something kind of out there because uh, I, I feel like because I saw um, we had him on and I just reshared his episode, Tom Kriegelstein, like mm -hmm. doing the uh, speaker sneakers sort of thing. Like, yeah. I think that's something that people like, because it's like people like socks. People like share their socks all the time. Like anything like that, just anything kind of thematically that you're kind of really getting excited about lately. So real quick point about speaker sneakers. Um, I really like speaker sneakers because it was something that I noticed when I got into the professional speaker space about kind of how men get to go about it and how they dress versus how women get to go about it and how they dress. And it's very formal for women. And I think I went through a stage where, again, when I was younger in a professional career, didn't really know who I was, but took a lot of what, of, what I was supposed to be. Um, and then when I think now about who I am and I'm a little bit older, I will interact with people better when I'm comfortable. I am more comfortable in sneakers than I am in heels or even particularly nice flats. So for me, if I have nice sneakers that I'm comfortable in, my performance and my experience is better for that. So I really like speaker sneakers because it's a little bit subversive for women. There aren't a lot of women that will do that. Most of the time it's very formal and very mm -hmm. dressed up and that's just not how I come to a space when I present. That's not the type of relationship I want to build with students that I'm working with. So it's a little bit, yeah, some of it's sneakers and I love sneakers, but some of it is also 
who am I when I'm wearing those sneakers and how do I come across? And students have come up to me afterwards and been like, we're glad you did that. And it felt really comfortable. Um, so that's kind of the reasoning behind that. Yeah. Um, so sneakers, buying sneakers, it's gotten bad actually since <laughs> speaker sneakers started as a hashtag. Um, so we're reining that in for 2018. I'm saying it so you can keep me accountable. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, let's see what else books, you know, this about me. I mm-hmm. love reading, um, frequent library goer, too frequent book buyer, but I am always reading something, sometimes more than one thing. And this year, the tail end of last year, actually, I decided I'm going to try audiobooks again. I've never been good at being read to, but now that I can do podcasts, I'm like, well, let's try audiobooks. Yeah. Some I like, some I don't, but that's a new way that I'm trying that out. So comedy books and spending too much money on sneakers. Those are my things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and I think because... Uh... Yeah, it's almost like funny stuff like that of like spending too much money on because uh, if you're familiar with like Funko Pops, like those little action figures. Yes. I, yes. I love them too much for my own good. Like, And I now like I, I've gotten many of the ones that I would want for myself already or they've been gifted to me. So like I like them so much, I just get them as gifts for other people just to like scratch the itch where it's just like, oh, you're into like this thing. There's a Funko Pop figure for that. And like, yeah, I just... Yeah, spend too much money on it, but yeah, it's like the way I've tricked myself. It's like, well, they're gifts. Like, I needed to get a gift for this person anyway. Like, I'm just gonna, you know, get a get a bunch of Funko Pops. Like, I did that for my brother this year. Um, have you Have you duplicated yet? Because that's how you know it's bad. Like, I realized I bought a pair of Vans, and then like four months <laughs> later, bought another pair of Vans. It's not different enough from the first pair of Vans for that to be an okay thing. So I'm like, okay, we have to reexamine something. Well, see, yeah, that's what I, I'm on the precipice of that because I've gotten multiple Spider Man Funko Pops, and I want to get more. So like the different versions, like they'll have different exclusive, like oh, Spider Man without his mask on, but he still has like the Spider Man suit, and he's doing a little, you know web shooter hand trick thing um and like other times it was like oh it's just regular peter parker in street clothes and this one's like you know the one from the movie where you know like there's all these different versions so like, well it's like the one that, from the yeah. movie and then like which version of the movie so like the tom holland ones or the toby Maguire ones and the right yeah. like you've got options you've got yeah. a long time before you do dupl- actually duplicate spider <laughs> right yeah like not literally the same one but it's like something like well you already have spider-man it's like but not this one not so the this Spider-Man. he's doing a little flip whip and he's got captain america's shield like that was what i really wanted because it was like from civil war and it was only found in this one pack and like it was just really cool looking so yeah that's 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 more than that's more than a figure that's an adventure and (laughs) pay for the experience that's right yeah it was a a long time coming but um so yeah because i think yeah that's just like because i i definitely i believe everyone geeks out about something so it's not even like this sole singular identity that only certain people have but i think certain people cultivate it more and like how you kind of mentioned like you sort of consume things or examine things in kind of a geeky way like you really want to want more and like I, I know for me like I always want the context of things so like why is that the way that it is and it sounds like that kind of was what happened with the the sneakers where it's like you kind of notice this pattern you're like well why is that that way and it's like obviously that's a whole other podcast discussion about just like you know yeah like uh women presenting in spaces needing to really like you know, they've got to do it backwards and in heels sort of thing. Um, yeah, the short answer yeah. is the patriarchy, but we don't have time for that. We don't have time for the long version right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah, and I guess, that, yeah, it's a really interesting sort of manifestation of that, that obviously, yeah, you're kind of subverting, which I uh, totally support and appreciate. Um, but, uh, yeah, I guess, you know, to really address it specifically, how do you see your hobbies and interests positively contributing to your life? So you're into a lot of stuff. How does it positively contribute to your life? Well, I think there are 
is that there are at least two answers to this. And I would say one is having the opportunity to make some of those things my job where they weren't before. So the best example that I have right now is at the very beginning of last year, it's probably almost a year to the day at this point, January 4th, um, I started looking for websites that write about comedy and do comedy critique and just said, hey, I've been writing about this recreationally. Is this something you'd be interested in hiring me on a freelance basis for? And a website called The Interrobang that I've been writing for, for, again, right around a year, got back to me very quickly and said, yeah, we like your perspective. We want you to be able to write about this. So it went from being something that I just enjoyed recreationally but didn't, quote unquote, fit into my job into being a job unto itself. So I had the opportunity to get a little bit of income from it, but also have the opportunity to talk to people that I really admire about the things that they do, let them know that I like the stuff that they're making, um, occasionally get to collaborate with them on cool stuff, um, which there's a question coming later, so we'll come back to that, but be able to make some of the people that I really admire um, that make cool things that I really enjoy colleagues, and in some cases, friends. That's been a really cool way to kind of pull it into my life. Um, I would say the other way that it pops up is each kind of informs the other. So there are speeches that I've done that have included um, things that I really enjoyed. And being able to take a lecture where you're teaching somebody and add something funny to it helps them remember it. It helps disarm them and kind of even the playing field um, if you can find common things funny. So I like it as a way to kind of disarm and bring down the burden of this has to be very serious because you're learning something. So being able to educate students and educate professionals while also entertaining them and finding things that we have in common, um, I think that's a really important way of informing the kind of work that I do because I want it to be informative and I want people to get something out of it, but I also want them to enjoy it because that's how they're going to remember it. Yeah, yeah and I think that for me, like doing this podcast, like one of the best ways that it's possibly contributed to my life in that similar way is like, it gives me this sort of like excuse and platform to talk to people that I want to talk to. And yeah, you now have this sort of like connection, you know, of just like, yeah, we had a good conversation and, you know, it sort of can foster, you know, continual growth of that relationship in the future. But yeah, it's really cool that you've uh, had some really awesome things come from that, just sort of like putting yourself out there and being like, hey, I would love to you know, be a part of what you're doing. And they're like, yeah, sure. Come on board. And it's now, you know, continuing to mature and grow. So it's really, it's really nice to hear. Um, but yeah, I guess, uh, you know, we'll link out to, um, sort of like the two posts of collections of things that you were into in 2017 of like the best reads and laughs and stuff. So if there's anything, I guess, specific within those that you'd want to highlight or just anything else, uh, specifically that you're reading, watching, listening to, you know, if you want to do, one of each or just whatever is really most on your mind. Um, just, yeah, whatever kind of things you want to give a tip of the hat to. Uh, uh, that we can okay. So yeah. reading, watching, listening to. Okay. So right now I am reading Invisible Man by Ralph Ellison, which came out, let's see, 1952. Um, and it's essentially science fiction about a black man in America about a guy who, at the beginning when you read it, is invisible. But he hasn't always been invisible. So it goes back to his history of when he was younger and the types of things he went through as a black man in America. And then at the end, he's invisible. I'm very close to the end, so we don't know exactly how he turned invisible yet. I'm getting close. I'll let you know. Um, but it's been um, really cool to kind of read, and especially because 
1952. And to an extent now, there wasn't a whole lot of science fiction that featured people of color. So it was a revolutionary thing at the time. Um, and yeah, again, to an extent continues to be because there isn't too much more now um, in terms of literature. So it's been cool to kind of go back and revisit that and kind of harrowing to see how much of the stuff about race in 1952, which you would expect to be different, is actually exactly the same. Oh. Um, they talk about a police shooting of an unarmed black man. They talk about um, people being fit, pit, uh, pitted to fight against each other. They talk about black people being used in, the, in political movements for the benefit of white individuals. It's all very prescient stuff in a way that I think Ralph Ellison probably hoped we wouldn't still be talking about. But it's kind of still where we are. So that's been my holiday read and I'm very close to being done. Yeah. It sounds like a like twilight zone or black mirror episode or something. Just this, like this simple premise that like, I'm sure once it all comes together, it's just going to be like this mind blowing thing. Um, I'm just like, Oh, this whole, like, you know, once you finish the book and see kind of the whole thing laid out, like, it's just this, like how you said, like the simple premise where it's just like, oh, this person's invisible and, you know, they haven't always been invisible and they, it's like, they're telling that story and it's like, okay, but yeah, there's so much in that of just like, yeah, obviously like the, the setting and just, you know, yeah, it sounds like it's a really interesting book, but, um, and also recommend Black Mirror because this past season was, yeah, it was really good, but. Um, that's, that's what I keep hearing. Like yeah. it just hit and then people are like, have you watched it? And I'm like, I haven't yet. Um, and that's definitely a thing is I have a very long list of stuff that's been recommended to me that I now have to get to. Um, and the thing that I'm watching is actually the result of finally being told that enough times. I'm like, all right, I'll work on it. Um, so I am about to start season four of you're the worst, which mm. originally started on FX and is now on FXX. Um, and it's about like late 20 somethings, early 30 somethings, Similar in the vein to like a friends or how I met your mother, but it's different in the sense that I think the best way I can put it is they're dealing with like real problems. So rather than like, we can't find this bar that somebody remembered or it's this person's birthday and no one's ready to go out. Um, it's about like a woman who is kind of closed off and like not ready to be in a relationship, trying to be in a relationship with another guy who's like narcissistic and sometimes kind of toxic and just them trying to figure out how to be with each other, even though they kind of both have work to do on themselves. Um, so it's different types of problems and different types of challenges, but I'm really enjoying it. And it's one of those things where everyone's like, you should have started from the beginning. Yes, I should have. I know. I'm sorry, but I'm there now. <laughs> yeah. That's a, yeah. That's the problem is there's like so much content out there. It's like sometimes I don't want to like, keep watching all this stuff as it premieres and then it like ends after a season or something where I'm just like, I really like this. Why does it, why don't other people like the things that I like or whatever? It's like, I want it to like build up that buzz and also be around to like tell a story like versus just like, Oh, it was around for like half a season and I got canceled and I didn't like mm -hmm. know that it was going to be canceled. Cause yeah, like I, I've been watching all of your, the worst, like kind of after the seasons, like they've been on, uh, they've been on Hulu. And mm -hmm. so yeah, I haven't watched season four yet either. Um, but it just was like in the ether. Like a lot of the sites I follow were just like, "There's this show called Here's the Like You're the Worst." This like dark horse show that's like really doing interesting things. And yeah, it's just very, very smart, very real. Can be dark at times, but it's just also just funny. Um, mm -hmm. So it's just distinguishing itself for sure from the pack of just like like you said, just other like typical sitcoms because like all intents and purposes, yes, it's a situational comedy. But it very much is like one of those shows that is evolving in the genre, which I really like. 
Um, yeah, like they're talking so. about clinical depression. They're talking about um, like narcissistic personality disorder. They're talking about PTSD. Like it's real stuff, but it's still funny. Mm -hmm. So I really, really like that about it. Yeah, it's very good. Uh, so yeah, I guess anything that you're listening to, you mentioned audiobooks. I guess and maybe any of those or like any podcasts that you'd want to recommend. So the I'll say the thing that I am getting ready to listen to um, which was inspired by having watched the movie that was based on it is Mudbound by Hillary Jordan. Um, mm. And it was just made into a movie that was picked up and distributed by Netflix, which if you've not yet watched it, it is amazing. Um, it's directed by Dee Reese, who um, is a black female director. Um, the ensemble cast, everybody's good. It's one of those things that if it was in like a mainstream theater capacity, you'd be hearing about it for awards left and right. Um, it's wonderful and i'm getting ready to listen to the book so as soon as i finish invisible man then i'm gonna jump over to that and kind of read the source material for the movie but hmm. i'm very very excited for it based on how the movie turned out yeah well that's always like the sign of a good uh yeah just like a good story is that you almost just want to like consume it in all mediums or something you know it's just like okay i saw it visually like i want to really get into the story and get into like the characters minds or just like see things from different perspectives and stuff so yeah, yeah. Good I just did the same thing with the disaster artist. So I saw it and then got the audiobook right after and it's Greg Sestero reading it. Um, so it's like him basically telling his own story because he wrote the disaster artist mm -hmm. um, then talking about like everything that led to the making of the movie. So then once you see the disaster artist then you kind of see all of that play out in real time. But that was also very good. So I will recommend that as well. Cool. Both the movie and the book, the disaster artist. Yeah. Yeah. Um... Yeah, and I think, yeah, it was just really interesting because I just saw all these clips of uh, James Franco doing the impression of uh, Tommy Wiseau, and just like mm -hmm. it's just like oh, like, it's so like he does a very good job, and it. it's just so funny. I'm just like it's very much, I guess, kind of uh, where we're at of just like nostalgia culture and just like these weird things kind of coming back again, you know, or everything being cyclical and just like it just I guess because it part of it is just it's so well done, like that's kind of an impressive thing, but also just being like surprised of just like okay yeah now there's this like really good movie about this weird movie from like 20 years ago like it's yeah it's just, yeah it's like very and like weird the, that's but the cool funny part yeah. about it is like and somebody actually just asked her like do you have to have seen the room to see the disaster artist now i haven't seen the room but i've been hearing great things about the disaster artist so i saw it and then i read it and honestly at this point i kind of don't want to see the room i kind of <laughs> feel like i feel okay with that being the mysterious piece of it like just kind of knowing that this awful thing was made but never seeing the end result of it and i go back and forth about it all the time i was at the movies yesterday and fathom events is doing like a nationwide distribution of the room so you could go see it it's one of those one night only things and i'm like do i want to go do I want to keep it a mystery? I still don't know yet. I have no idea. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if there's like a right or wrong way to do that. It's just like your personal thing. Cause that would be this cool, like, you know, this mysterious, you know, thing that is ex exists out there that it just was like all this weird things happened around it and for it to be a, you know, finished product. But I just uh, feel like the film studies student in me is going to be mad. And I wasn't mad at the disaster artist because it was about a bad movie being made. But once I watched the bad movie, I think I might just get too angry. I don't know. Yeah. Like I got to think about it. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, uh, yeah, I, I feel like that's when I got to see. Yeah. I've got to, cause I, I haven't sat down and watched the room. I've just seen all these like compilations of the really weird scenes and stuff. But um, At the very end yeah. of The Disaster Artist, they do like a side-by-side rewatch, um, like how that cast, so how The Disaster Artist cast acted out a scene next to the actual scene from The Room. Mm -hmm. 
And it's like eight or nine minutes of that. So you'll see like a scene from the room next to how they reenacted it. And that's really funny because they took a lot of pains to get it right. And they have a lot more footage of their version of the movie than you see in the finished film. So it's it's interesting to kind of watch it that way. Like I saw that and I was like, that might be it. I might not need any more. <laughs> yeah, I think I got it. I think I, I got it. Yeah. Um, cool. All right. Well, um, yeah, then we'll, we'll wrap up here. Um, so we'll always end on kind of an optimistic uh, note here for the podcast. So uh, anything or things that you want to mention, you know, stuff that you're looking forward to with your job, life, the world, you know, stuff that's coming out uh, in 2018, uh, you know, content or something, but just, yeah, anything that you're excited about and looking forward to, uh, you know, that's coming in the future. So I'll say in terms of specific things um, to give people time to catch up, but two shows that I'm really excited about that have new seasons that I think both come out in April of 2018. One is Catastrophe, which is a British show that is now distributed through Amazon Prime with Rob Delaney and Sharon Horgan. Mm-hmm. Um, the previous three seasons are up right now. It is wonderful. I went in as a Rob Delaney fan just trying to see what it would look like when he did TV. And it's so smart, so funny, um, really, really interesting. And this past season's timeline kind of caught up to a lot of stuff that Rob Delaney was dealing with in real life. So I'm so excited to see what happens in season four, which I think starts in April. Uh if I'm not mistaken. And then the other show that I think also comes back in April is Detroiters on Comedy Central, um, which the best way I could describe it in a short version is Broad City, but with boys. Um, So it's two guys that work at an advertising agency. So it's just the two of them and they make like local advertisements for companies in Detroit. Um, And then they also get into all other, all these other adventures with like Tim's wife and Sam's sister and like all these other people in the area. But it's, Really silly, a whole lot of fun, um, and that's coming back, I th- again, I think in April, but I'm not 100% sure. So those are two things that I'm looking forward to that other people can also watch. Um, in terms of stuff that I'm doing, uh, the biggest thing that I'm looking forward to is South by Southwest in March. Um, so this past year, I went as just a participant to just go, go to panels, go to their comedy festival. And then this year I applied with um, a couple other people that do more academic work with comedy to talk about how it's informing like the national dialogue on difficult things to talk about, why comedians have been so successful um, when political times have been difficult and what people who are just doing regular journalism or just even just having regular conversations can learn from how they're talking about comedy. So I'm doing that with a friend of mine that I've done some research about comedy with college students with, um, Jason Meyer at Emerson College. And then I'm doing that panel also with a woman named Kelly Daly, who was on a different um, panel last year, who I just met afterwards, really liked her work. And then this year I wanted to work with her. So I just asked and she said yes. So if you want to do something with somebody, just ask. They say yes way more often than you would expect. Um, And then another comedian friend of mine who I met um, through campus activity stuff, had gotten to know over the past few years, and he also has some experience with this. So again, I just said, hey, we've worked together enough. We're friends now. Do you want to do this? And he did. So now we get to do a panel together and talk about how people can use comedy to have difficult conversations. And that's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, very cool. Very cool. yeah, and it's just yeah, it's very impressive. Yeah, just seeing how, because I guess it, you could definitely put like deliberate energy into it, like if you really 
trying to get into a particular industry or organization or something, like really seek out people, you know, and kind of foster those relationships. And sometimes I'm sure it's just kind of like the wind taking you places and you sort of just seizing opportunity as it kind of comes by. But um, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, because I, I feel like I, I, I think I've taken a break from going to any sort of formal conference and I feel like something like South by Southwest or, you know, is, I don't know, like that might be kind of where I'd want to get back into it either as like a, a presenter or just participant or something. So yeah, I'm sure I'll see uh, a lot of stuff coming out from people attending this year. Cause I think that that was part of it was that I, I was surprised how many people I knew were, were there. Um, mm -hmm. And it's just like, Oh, okay, well let me uh, look into this a little bit more. But um, so yeah, I'll, I'll look forward to seeing uh, the stuff you share from, uh, from that. And it's a very cool opportunity for sure. And then um yeah, I mean, I think we'll link out to all the stuff uh, that we mentioned in the show notes. Uh, I will also recommend Catastrophe. It is a very good show. Um, right? So yeah, good. Yeah. Because, um, yeah, again, sort of in the vein of, like, you're the worst. Like, that's just the stuff that I'm really loving now. It's just very, like, because I guess I don't even know. If, I mean, I guess, it, yeah, it's very much, I, I would say, a spiritual sibling uh, to you're the worst. So just that, how it presents, like, certain real difficult issues. Um, and, uh yeah, it's just like taking situ situational comedy to the next level, and that's that's what I like. I don't, I don't know because there's there's enough like you know basic stuff on like you know basic cable, you know, just like you know, or I guess like the I don't know if that's basic cable, but like CBS, ABC, NBC, whatever. Um, yeah, but, uh, like network stuff. We have network, a lot of yeah. options, and I think yeah. because there are so many options, some really good stuff just gets kind of hidden, or you just miss it. Um, so anytime I could talk up something that I don't feel like people are watching with sufficient regularity, I'm happy to yell about it. And catastrophe is one of those examples. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. That's it. like we're, that's part of it. Yeah, and I'm like getting all my wires crossed of like like network shows, basic cable, and then streaming shows. It's just like mm -hmm. we're watching content. That's for me anymore. Yeah, because there's so much stuff. It's like I want to see what other people are like buzzing about, you know, and just seeing what kind of boils to the top and then it's like a lot of it's just going to be there for us to find eventually anyway so i'm not in a rush to necessarily like watch all of the things like immediately there's certain things that i'm definitely like i want to catch as soon as possible but um it'll yeah be it's there. it's pretty yeah. rare to just outright lose stuff where it disappears um which is a good thing that's a great thing actually because most of the time we can go back to it um there have been a handful of things that have been harder to go back to that's been depressing, but mm. for the most part, it'll be there waiting for you. Yeah. And uh, that's, for me, like I'm always good for like a rewatch. It's like, I'll just rewatch stuff that I love and it's just all there. Like mm -hmm. you know, it's all the new stuff. We're always in like the library of just content and, you know, our, our culture, collective pop culture, you know, uh, just to continue to explore. So, um, great. Well, yeah, it's awesome stuff that we mentioned uh, for folks to check out. It's always good to talk to you. Um, and, uh, yeah, just happy new year. Thank you so much for hanging out here. Uh, and uh, yeah, I'm sure we'll, we'll talk again soon. My pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. It is always, always fun to get to do this. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the podcast. Please rate, review, and subscribe so you'll never miss an episode. Thanks again for listening. And I'll see you in the next episode of the Higher Ed Geek Podcast. <laughs>